Welcome to the Life Academy Podcast. Hello, my friends. I'm Pastor Doug Pratt. Welcome to this podcast entitled A Christian Perspective. I want to emphasize that we make no claims for my words being the Christian perspective. I'm just one follower of Jesus who is trying to understand our constantly changing world through the lens of sacred scripture. But Christians can and do disagree in the details and applications of God's word, and that is fine. The thoughts I will share with you are my own, not the official teachings of any church, and are meant to stimulate your thoughts and reactions. Today's topic is the rise and fall of American meritocracy. It was February of 2022. After the NFL season concluded, Tom Brady announced his retirement from the Tampa team after a long and illustrious career. Soon after, Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer announced his own retirement at the end of the current court term. While the Buccaneers held off from any decision about Brady's replacement, hoping, as would prove to be true six weeks later, that he would unretire and postpone their search for a new quarterback for at least another year, President Biden announced within 48 hours of the news of Breyer's departure leaking to the press that his replacement would be an African-American female judge. Well, predictably, the joke quickly made it to the comedy shows and satirical websites. Today, the National Football League announced that in its quest for social justice, the next quarterback of Tampa Bay must be a black female. Of course, it was ridiculous. Because men have an undeniable advantage over women by virtue of genetics, and no woman is likely to match a man in arm strength to play professional football quarterback. But it also revealed a significant long-term trend. Professional sports is one of the few remaining bastions of meritocracy because of the unrelenting verdict of the scoreboard. But many other dimensions of American life have witnessed the abandonment of the concept of meritocracy, which I will define as follows the system in which the highest or most responsible positions are given to the people who prove themselves to be the best to have the greatest merit. This principle of meritocracy is one that uniquely fits democracies and free societies, but it is not guaranteed to prevail in any organization or society. And sinful human nature often has worked to subvert meritocracy Because people lust for power and influence and privilege, and those who get it want to keep it or pass it on to their preferred successors. Choosing people by merit is an implicit threat because those who are not good enough must yield. Whenever human enterprises of every kind are able to consistently follow the value of meritocracy, they are nearly certain to prosper Whenever merit and competence is demoted as a value and other practices become dominant, that nation or business or organization will inevitably suffer in the long term. I believe it is a profoundly biblical impulse to grant leadership and authority to those who qualify or show themselves worthy. The Apostle Paul 
in writing to the first-generation churches he had founded and was leading, laid out a very high standard for those who would be granted leadership responsibilities in the church. The result was what some might claim to be a double standard, namely that being a leader in the church was not something that anyone could claim as their right, but rather had to qualify for and prove themselves worthy of. At the most basic level of inclusion in Christ, of course, all are welcome in his church. We are invited to come just as we are. We never have to clean ourselves up or make ourselves worthy of the grace of God because we can't. But a church's officers, that is, pastors, elders, and deacons, are held to a vastly higher level of expectations. And whenever the standards for Christian leadership have been lowered, whether by influence peddling or corruption, nepotism, watering down of moral and spiritual requirements, or a host of other compromises, the church will eventually suffer. Admittedly, my academic specialty was not in American history and politics, but my observation is that the same fundamental truth has been seen in the past three centuries on our continent. What made the American colonies unique and distinct from the mother country of Britain in the 18th century was the freedom and egalitarianism provided to the colonists. England was a highly stratified society, with royalty at the top and layers of nobility beneath them, all acquired by heredity, not intelligence or virtue. The best schools and the highest jobs in England were simply not open to commoners. In America, which in contrast to all of Europe was a nearly classless society, people could rise by their skills and hard work to positions of prominence. The intellectual caliber of our founding fathers compared to the weak leadership of the English king and parliament in the 1770s and 1780s was a striking contrast. In America, you see, genius and initiative and courage and innovation were rewarded. Even the British Army and Royal Navy during the Revolutionary War showed the flaws of an officer corps made up solely of men of upper-class privilege rather than demonstrated ability. The blunders of those commanders allowed a comparatively ragtag insurrection to defeat them. Why has American business, invention, and technology led the world for centuries? because we have encouraged and rewarded talent and genius and hard work. But if a nation built on meritocracy surrenders that preeminent value to other values, the nation will ultimately suffer and decline. We are witnessing that very syndrome in our times. Let me give you some contemporary examples of the rejection of meritocracy. First, And most obvious in our recent experience, the judicial branch of government. The recent decision of the current president to place a racial and gender quota above competence as the determining factor for the highest court of the land is a potentially disastrous precedent. Now, the White House could have kept their values confidential and quietly chosen a black female and promoted her based on her competence and qualifications, and thereby achieved their underlying goal of diversity 
without threatening the concept of meritocracy. But they didn't do that, thereby accelerating our society's rush to elevating social factors above excellence. A second area, the military. The combat readiness and effectiveness of our armed forces, according to many retired officers, has been adversely affected by the prioritizing of gender and racial quotas and support of gay rights dogma over the single most important goal of the military to defend our nation's freedom and interests with the greatest skill. When officer promotion is affected by politics or social change agendas rather than demonstrated skill, it weakens morale and corrodes discipline. A third area, college and university admissions. For years, many of our prestigious higher education institutions have been giving preference to less qualified students over higher qualified ones based on efforts toward quote, diversity, unquote. This may make the student body mugshots look more like a racial and ethnic rainbow, but it has likely discriminated against some prospective students, including a number of intelligent and highly qualified Asian and white Americans. And the more destructive long-term consequence for a college is that weaker academic skills in a student body can result in the diminishing or dumbing down of coursework and or grade inflation that cheapens the value of the college's core product, the education of graduates. A fourth area, and related to the last one, college and university faculties. For as many years as the quota obsession with college admissions has been impacting the quality of schools, an equally disastrous trend has been the non-diversifying of faculty and administration, specifically in the disqualification of worthy candidates for teaching positions, tenure, and management because their political or religious views do not fit the groupthink of progressive values. One other area I'll highlight church leadership, the area of American life I know the most intimately. My own denomination, one of the legacy mainline denominations of America, has been captured in recent decades by a groupthink or political and theological group of progressives who have denied leadership roles to those who disagree with the prevailing viewpoints. And then among evangelical and independent churches— there has been a trend towards the dumbing down of the clergy by the weakening of academic standards. To become a pastor in many churches across the country no longer requires a three-year accredited Master of Divinity degree and demonstrated competence in theology and the historic biblical languages and principles of exegesis, and young people who are gifted may be able to function for a while with their enthusiasm and some self-study, but my experience has been that sustaining a lifetime of fruitful ministry to a church requires much more education and much higher standards. And avoiding false doctrine and heresy is much harder when a pastor has limited understanding of church history and theology. Well, there are many other dimensions of our corporate life, which are likewise in danger of surrendering the wise principle of meritocracy for shorter-term goals that lead to eventual negative consequences 
It, it may happen in the boardrooms of American business, where in an effort to reach diversity goals, qualified white males may be denied positions of leadership in which they would otherwise be effective. There is an irony to the contemporary decline of meritocracy in America. It is arriving soon after our society has removed many of the major barriers to true equality of merit. For nearly 200 years, African Americans, some of whom are tremendously gifted and competent, have encountered limitations to their full inclusion in areas of life, such as the military. Do you know it was only in the Civil War that the U.S. Army began to allow blacks to serve? And also in athletics. Do you recall that the Negro League in baseball was the only option for skilled players of color until Jackie Robinson and the Dodgers broke the barrier in 1947? Also true in many sectors of American business and politics is this same at last opening up to true meritocracy for people of minorities and full career opportunities for women of intelligence and initiative have likewise only become available in the last few generations. Perhaps since Rosie the Riveter and thousands like her brought the concept of women in the workforce to a war-torn nation that needed them. Well, all of these barriers have been removed to the good of our nation. But now, here's the irony. New barriers of different kinds are being erected that are hurting us. Those ideologues who have prioritized their social or political goals over the best interests of all are a danger to us and need to be opposed. What might the future hold? Because a human endeavor that does not follow the principle of meritocracy for its leadership builds the seeds of its own decay and decline within, it is likely we will see some long-term negative consequences wherever that happens. But it is also possible for a society to follow the pendulum paradigm. That is, when advocates for an ideology push too far and overreach their goals, and thus negative consequences result, the pendulum can swing back the other direction. That may happen in America. It may even happen politically in the next few years. Whatever the short term holds, I believe it is appropriate and right for Christians to support and work for true meritocracy in all aspects of life. This is Pastor Doug Pratt speaking on the Life Academy of First Church. Thank you for joining us for this Life Academy episode. We encourage you to subscribe. And if you enjoy our podcast, please share it with your friends and family. 